Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. So we've got great news. We've partnered up with Goblinstone.com to bring all of Crit Nation a chance to win a wonderful prize. Really? So Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans, and they're based out of the UK. They want to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every single one of their fans a chance to get published. That's awesome. So guys, please make sure you take a minute to head on over to their website at Goblinstone.com, or you can find a link on our website at CritAcademy.com. And while you're there, make sure to stop by their freebie section and see what goodies they've got for you. Oh, for sure. Thanks to Goblinstone, all subscribers will be put into a drawing each and every week. One lucky subscriber will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. Compliments of Goblinstone. An ancient evil lurks in the shadows of Womford. While everybody is getting ready for the annual pie contest, a vile creature is carefully preparing its next move. It's only a matter of time before it rests control of the gluttonous swine of Womford. Will your PCs stop it before it's too late? Thanks for joining us today at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a barbarian in a library. (laughs) (laughs) So today, we're going to hear back from one of the members of Crit Nation, Redditor Fat Highlander. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Everyone on Reddit, in the D&D subreddit, has the greatest names. Oh, for sure. I just think that needs to be said. Yes. And then our main topic we'll cover, we'll be doing an in-depth class analysis of the Cleric and the Paladin, and then we'll move on to our favorite segment, the Unearthed Tips and Tricks. But before all that, let's talk a little about what's going on in the realm. Justin? So I'm a mentor now. Two? That's exciting to a kid, huh. a young boy, 12-year-old. Um, very exciting for me. I'm not a dad, so this is a newer experience for me. Right. You know, I teach in church, but... Being a mentor is quite a big step, and it's a lot going to be a lot of work, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, took him out and did some interviewing and basically got to know him a little bit, and we have a lot in common. Hmm. Um, it was pretty funny, though. He, I started to lose his attention half, about halfway through, and I told him, I was like, you know, I'm notorious for throwing the phones of rude people against the wall. Do you know what it means to be rude when you're on your phone? He's like, yes. I was like, when would be a good example right now? I was like, good. If you want to keep your phone, put it away. <laughs> Not very mentor-like, but uh, I had him convinced that I probably was going to really throw it against the wall. I was like, I'm just going to have to tell your mom that I broke it, and I'm going to have to reimburse her. You know, get a new phone. I was like, I can't promise that. She might just keep the money. Trying to decide whether you need one or not. But uh, So that's actually quite uh, a big deal in my life right now, and I'm really excited yeah, about cool. that. So, yeah. How about you, Ryan? I've still just been keeping myself busy with a lot of school, you know. I'm taking, uh, as well as my Japanese classes, I'm taking probability and statistics, which is a I love numbers. Doozy. I'm taking the blowiest off of all blow-off classes I've ever taken in my life. It's a practical approach to computers. Wow. It is a 15-week course on how to use Microsoft Office. I feel like it doesn't need to be that long. We have had three class sessions. No, we've had two, one, two, three class sessions now. No, two. <laughs> You've had some class. We've had two class sessions now, and we have yet to do any work. Uh, we spent the entire first class introducing him yeah. and us. 
We spent the, the first half of the second class finishing the introductions that we never finished in the first class. And then we watched... Uh, have you seen that short film, Humans Need Not Apply? It's about no, automation. I have not. It's basically about automation and how a lot of uh, labor industries are going to kind of well, disappear. Well, yeah, l- less, uh, um, less mistakes with moving human error. And, yeah, more efficient, fewer mistakes, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched that, and then we spent the rest of... The, which It's like an eight-minute video. We spent the rest of the class talking about it. So we've yet to do any work in that it's class. more of a discussion class. Yeah, well, it's not supposed to be. Ah, well, that's unfortunate. Yeah, like, my... I'll tell uh, you what, though. I, I'll give you... Well, no, it's not unfortunate. I, I enjoy it, and I'm getting things out of it. And the way this teacher works, I'm not worried about my grade in this class, but I get, I feel like I'm actually coming... Because the fact that we actually have discussion and we talk about things other than just Microsoft Office, because, yeah. let's be real, I've been using Microsoft Office for years, I've taken... Use macros and formulas? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's... Of all the, the classes that I've taken, that I've gotten the most use out of. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm... I don't know if I'd say I'm fluent in Excel because I don't know. You know, there are... Right. I think Excel has like 500-something different commands. Like, it's got thousands of formulas, but like 500 right, right. or so commands. I don't know all of them. I know a good amount of them. So I'll learn and some... And you know where to find them when you need to. Right. So. But I'm glad I can... I'm actually taking stuff out of it outside of just that right so, right that's pretty cool that is pretty cool so that is in the realm yep so today we've got some feedback from redditor fat highlander and mr fat highlander says i used to dm a few games back in the 3.5 days i have looked through a bit of five fifth edition but my group is going to be a larger group i'm looking to run a few pre-made campaigns to get into the swing i'm also writing my own campaign but that's a lot of work he's not wrong no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Any advice on running one of those pre-made campaigns? What's a good one to start off with? Newer players to the game who have a ton of other RPG experience. Any advice is appreciated. Um, in my uh, my opinion, I think, and I think we've probably talked about it, Lost, Lost Minds, Minds of Fandalver yeah. is probably not only the best introductory uh, adventure, but it's one of the in my opinion, one of the best published ones that I've played so far. Yeah. That's been published by Wizards. And it comes in the 5th edition starter pack. For like 20 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to buy any books. You don't have to buy the DMG, the player's handbook. You know, none of that stuff. A solid 20 bucks will get you hours and hours and hours of fun. Yep. I haven't run a lot of pre-made campaigns myself. I ran a couple of the encounters in Defiance of Flan. That was a good one. Which was a I pretty like good one. And it's very, very, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, beginner-friendly. But Lost Minds of Fandelver, although I haven't run it myself, I've heard nothing but great things about it. Yep. So that would be a good one. That would be the best recommendation I could give. I know our friend Kurt at Arkans Lair has a lot of... He reviews tons and tons of modules. So he's probably he's probably put a a, a good couple of modules up there that are very beginner friendly so right. i would i would definitely check his uh website out lost minds of Fendelver, as you said defiance of flan is a good one and in regards to running your own campaign good luck with that um, yeah for sure yeah um, it's a really fun and rewarding thing but it's also a lot of work <laughs> yeah uh one piece of advice that i would give you as a newer player um listen to our podcast first of all <laughs> uh shameless plug um secondly <clears throat> Don't be so strapped on the rules because coming from three five, you're gonna hearken to 
where's a rule for this? Where's a rule for that? There's rules for everything in 3.5 and Pathfinder. That's not so in 5th edition. You have a lot of creative control as a DM, so make sure that you're taking advantage of that. If you're not sure of something, just have them make a, con- a check right. and then move on. And when in doubt, rule a cool, man. It's, if you're concerned about an exact rule, rule it later after the game so it doesn't slow down your game and just have fun. Yeah, you're never going to be able to memorize every rule. That's I don't know. Something. I feel like you have. <laughs> no, I haven't because I've been, I'm wrong. You know, I'm sorry. Will you say that again? I'm wrong from time to time. So yeah, um, that's our advice to the fat Highlander. Uh, we hope we answered your question. Please leave us feedback on our Facebook, Twitter, or our email if this was of any use to you. Yep, and maybe you'll be featured on a future episode. Yeah. Please let us know how your first adventure went too. We'd love yeah. to hear. Moving on to our main topic. <laughs> We've got two classes to go through today. Uh, the Cleric and the Paladin. And the Cleric is a doozy. The Cleric is not necessarily what a, comes to mind for most people when you think of a Cleric. Yeah. For most people, think of a Paladin from other MMOs. That's a Cleric in d That's very apt. They're yeah. the, the, they use divine magic and the power of their deities through prayer and call down curses upon foes yeah you know for me coming into D, i hear cleric i think like wow priest yes that's no. usually what people yeah think. yeah not in this case you know a cleric is a heavy armor you know carrying a, a lot of the times like a big mace um like i said they're very similar to what you the common mmo rpg player thinks of when they think of a paladin right you know they're often you know wielding great weapons, heavy armor. So they're they're essentially front line. They're surprisingly they're front line fighters. Well, they use all simple weapons. Yeah, think so. more. Think more of a a like, warrior priest. Yeah, a tank that can heal. Huh, a paladin in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, so, it really is like like a World of Warcraft paladin is a D and D cleric. So first thing that they get, you know, you get access to as a uh, spellcasting. Cleric is spellcasting, right? You know, it's everyone loves spells. Comes with them, they get their divine energy summoned from their deity. Yep, uh, spellcasting, you know, works the same way that it does for every other class. They have their own spell list. Uh, cleric's spellcasting ability is wisdom, mm-hmm. so keep that in mind when you're building your character. <laughs> My wisdom is ten. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, as a cleric, you prepare a list of cleric spells that are available for you to cast. Choosing from the cleric spell list. So, if I'm not mistaken, they have access to every spell, right? They can only prepare a certain amount per day. Yes. So, yes. You don't have to worry about learning spells as a cleric. You can have any spell you want. You have a certain amount that you can have prepared each day. That number is equal to your wisdom modifier plus your cleric level. Uh, with a minimum of one spell, but, you know, you start at level one, so that would already be one spell. Yeah, and well, and at first level, you start with a certain amount, too. You start... Uh... With three cantrips and uh, wisdom level plus wisdom modifier plus level, so at first level you'd probably have probably three spells that you can prepare, because your wisdom modifier is probably going to be two or three, and then plus one, so three to four spells that you'll have prepared right. at first level as well as well as your three cantrips. Yeah, so they have access to some pretty cool stuff. Uh, I'd say some of the more neater stuff comes from their domains. Neato. Yeah. So they get access to ritual casting, so any ritual tag spells mm-hmm. they have don't consume spell slots when they do them. But it takes 10 minutes. Keep but it that does mind. take 10 minutes. Cause I was <laughs> or not 10 minutes, 10 minutes more than the casting time. Right. So if it already takes a minute and you cast as a ritual, it takes 11 minutes. Right. 
um, which isn't usually a huge deal. It definitely just affects... Yeah, because you're not going to cast a ritual in combat. It's basically designed to make it so you can't cast it in combat without consuming a spell slot. Right. Um, so, the Holy Cleric. We've talked about archetypes, and we've talked about, you know... Uh, Colleges of lore, the primal paths. Yeah. The Divine Domain is the Cleric's version of that, lore, where they select a domain that's related to whatever their deity is, and they've got quite a few. They've got the Knowledge, Life, Light, Nature, Tempest, Trickery, and War domains. That's a lot of choices. That's a lot. So it gives you a lot of variation from Cleric to Cleric, and a lot of replay value within the same Cleric. At level 2, they get access to Channel Divinity. Now this is kind of the... This is basically the Cleric char channeling the raw energy of whatever deity they are. And they've got some pretty basic effects. Uh, one specific effect, and then another effect based on their domain. The first one is Turn Undead. This basically allows you to incite fear into an enemy, an undead enemy. Yes. So they can't they can't close the gap. They're forced to run away essentially. Yeah, essentially you make every undead creature that can see and hear you or see or hear you, sorry, within 30 feet make a wisdom save. If they fail, they're quote unquote turned and can't willingly move to a space within 30 feet of you. Right. They also cannot take reactions. And for its action, it can only use the dash action to try to escape from an effect that prevents it from moving. So essentially it just has to get away from you. That's right. all it can do. This really reminds me of the Wild Priest Sphere. Yeah, it's like it extreme. Sends, yeah, ends enemy sends enemies running. Uh, it's unique to Undead, though. And of or course, the Warrior's Intimidating Shout. Ooh, that one, too. Oh, look at that. Um, ability score improvement. Uh, they get it at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th level. Just like every other class. Yep. Uh, two ability scores by one, one ability score by two, or take a feat. Level 5 is pretty cool. They get Destroy Undead. So instead of just doing the traditional turn undead with their channel divinity, uh, they have a chance to just outright blow them up with <laughs> Which holy is awesome. energy. Yeah. So uh, there's a table on page 59 that shows, you know, at 5th level, if it's a CR half or lower, it's dead. By, vaporized. By 17th level, if it's a CR rating 4 or lower, it just blows up. I think that's very cool. Now, there is a limit on your channel divinity. It starts off as one use, one per rest. So, yeah, using uh, completing a short rest gives you your channel divinity back. Right. Yeah, at 6th level, you can use it twice between rests, and at 18th level, you can use it three, three times. times. And now, think about just without any domains. It When you're fighting undead, it's pretty potent. Right. But outside of that, there's not a whole right. lot of use for it. At 10th level, you gain access to divine intervention. Essentially, you can call upon your deity to intervene on your behalf when you need something of great importance. I really like this because, you know, this is about as close as you're going to get to the wish spell yeah. without having the wish spell. Yeah. This and commune with nature. Yeah, basically you roll percentile dice, which for anyone, any of the, you who, who do not know what percentile dice are, uh, if you buy a set of dice, you'll notice that there are two D10s. One of the D10s has two-digit two numbers, and the other D10 has one-digit numbers. You roll both of those, and the two-digit number becomes the tenth spot, and the one-digit number becomes the other digit. <laughs> Math terms are hard. So if you roll a 40 and a 7, it's 47. If you roll at or below your level, then your deity will intervene. Um, the DM chooses the nature of how, so you essentially say, you don't, you don't tell your deity how you want them to do it. You just say, this is what I want to happen. 
and then your DM decides how that de- your deity goes about doing that. If your DM is really creative, they can have a lot of fun with this. I really think that something like this is a big deal and should be addressed as a big deal. I'd hate to see, hey, yes. I'm going to want to channel, or I'm going to divine intervention. What do you want to do? I want him to let me get past through this door. Well, if your DM just says, okay, it unlocks. I would, I think, I imagine, you know, let's say your, your deity is, you know, the god of knowledge, you know, is it Toth? And he comes down and incites your, your, gives you the gift in your brain how to completely dismantle this doorway. Yeah, you know, if you're a, if you have a player who, you know, maybe their deity is the god of death. Merkel in the Forgotten Realms, and they're you know trapped in the city, and they ask you know for divine intervention to get out. You know that deity's not gonna you know stealthily get them out. He's just gonna kill everyone in the city, <laughs> and those are the kind of consequences your players are gonna have to deal with. Right. Um, and those are the kind of consequences you're going to have to keep in mind as a player. You know, however, if you're serving him, that's a he's an evil god, so you are probably an evil cleric. Right. Um, so you probably won't care if he kills everybody, but just keep that in mind because right. it might be hard to make friends when they're all dead. And the, and the same could go if you know if you chose to pick a, a good deity, but I think it's important that yeah the opposite goes. Yeah, if you've got you know Ilmater, the god of endurance, he's a lawful good. He's not gonna just kill everybody in the city. Yeah, I think as from a DM standpoint, you should find a way to incorporate their their aspect. Yeah. Uh, into the wished, for instance, uh, I use the example if they're trying to get through a door and nobody can seem to pick it, that the deity gives you the ultimate knowledge temporary to to completely dismantle whatever this thing is. Right. I think if the DM uh, approaches it that way, you can come up with a lot of creative solutions to get out of something. Keep in mind, once you use this, whether it succeeds or fails, you cannot use this feature again for seven days. Oh, no, 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 that's only if if it if you succeed. If you fail, you can use it again after a long rest. At 20th level, your call for interventions succeed automatically. That's awesome. No chance for failure, no roll required. Now, it is still up to the DM what happens. Right. But that's really interesting. You know, this takes seven days to recharge. As a DM... Don't let them sit around for seven days waiting before they go on their next adventure just because they have access right. to this. Same thing goes for the wish spell. You want to make sure that when they got those, they're not trying to refresh stuff they probably are trying to use, take advantage of. Yeah, because things like that aren't meant to be a regular mechanic. It's meant to be right. something that can change the game from time to time. Yeah, I agree. All right. Yeah, Divine Intervention. Pretty dope. It is pretty dope. And as the DM, don't be afraid to twist their twist their, uh, yeah. their requests. I, I hope that uh, I want the dragon to disappear. Okay, well now he's invisible, and you um, still got to fight him. <laughs> turn the dragon to gold. Okay, now he's a gold dragon. Um, I think Kurt actually said Kurt that. did that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, All right. So moving on to divine domains. This is really the the feature that. I thought that said Obama, not Akma. <laughs> <laughs> Obama, the god of knowledge. Um, Pretty much. So Divine Domains is really the big feature that's going to separate you from other clerics. Basically, you know, of the big pantheon of deities, the one you choose influences your character. Yes. Um, each, significantly. Yeah, each domain has 
in the Forgotten Realms universe, a pantheon of gods that fall in that domain. Don't be afraid to choose a god outside of the Forgotten Realms if you're playing if you're, a homebrew campaign. Well, yeah, if your DM will allow um, it. Yep. And then, you know, if you're playing a homebrew campaign, maybe you can create gods and you can talk to your DM uh, on the side about, okay, well, I want to worship this god who is the god of this. And that was very big. Those are very great I want to worship <laughs> Coke, the god of cola. Um, <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> It's as bad as the name I came up with, like Jim Jones or something. Yeah. <laughs> You're making fun of me for in episode two. Um, episode so, one. when you join a domain, you gain access to specific knowledge or domain spells. There's there are ten spells for each domain that you gain. At, fine. Oh, that you gain as you level. First, you gain some at level one. First, third, fifth, seventh, and ninth level, you gain two spells each, and you just get those. And now, that's not the only thing. I mean, those are bonuses to the spells you get, and, they, Already count as, and yeah. they count as cleric spells. Yeah, those are not counted against your prepared spells, which is awesome. Right. So uh, the very first domain we're going to talk about is the domain of knowledge. This is the one that values learning and understanding of the world around them and the things around them. They're teachers. They're, they, they run libraries, you know. They promote practical knowledge and crafting and invention and creativeness. That's really the scope of the cleric of knowledge. They're not out directly seeking power, um, at least not directly. The knowledge domain spells that you get, you get access to uh, a nice collection of them. Some would include, you know, uh, the command or um, speak with the dead or legend lore spells. You know, those are, those are all about... Uh, Retain or receiving more information yes. in some way. So at level one, you get receive the blessings of knowledge. You learn two additional languages, which is pretty cool. Especially if your DM uses language. Yes, I tend to. Um, I think it really, if they find a ancient, really cool looking book that is in Sylvan. Does anyone in the party speak Sylvan? No. Nope? Okay, throw it away. Yep. Um, Can't do nothing. <laughs> or with find it. someone who does. Ends up becoming a whole side quest, probably. Right. Can't read this shit. In addition, you get uh, proficiency in two additional skills. Arcana, History, Nature, Religion. You can choose two of those. On top of that, your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check that you make that uses either of the two skills you just learned. So it's similar to expertise in the Bards and Bard and Rogue. Very much so. So at level two, you get access to... We, a new channel divinity ability called the Knowledge of Ages. You can u now use your channel divinity to tap into a divine well of knowledge. You can use your action to choose one skill or tool, and for ten minutes you have proficiency with that tool, which is really useful if you, for say, for example, say you don't have a rogue in your group, right? But you have a set of thieves tools. Well, okay, channel divinity. I now have proficiency with thieves tools for ten minutes. Now yeah, I can your get us past this locked just door. Your passing that knowledge yeah. on to you, kind of like what we talked about before. Um, that's again, that's one of those things that if you have a you know more role play oriented DM, comes in super handy. At sixth level, you gain another channel divinity, which is read thoughts, and you can now use your channel divinity to. As I'll give you one guess, what this lets you do. Yes, you can read a creature's thoughts. And then, you can actually influence them as well, yeah, you which can, is pretty cool. Yeah, you can. You not only read their thoughts, you kind of open a door into their mind, and you can use that door to command them to do specific things. Um, they have to very make very similar to the suggestions. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. So um, I really like this because 
as a mind reader, you can get access to information that you didn't have before. Right. And pretty potent information. And especially if you've got a silver tongue with it as well, you really can force NPCs into your way of thinking or doing things for you. What if you happen to probe that noble's mind and find out that he kidnapped the the neighboring kingdom's prince and he's holding him and you just you've stumbled across that. Or you've you got can, leverage yeah. now. And suggestions are a really fun spell because you can kind of really piss your dm off with it you know if oh yeah you got to this big boss fight and you're fighting you know the orc king and you cast suggestion on him and you tell him to oh he forgot to change his underwear and he needs to go back and do that (laughs) (laughs) you know very, very silly things like that like that's why i love that spell is because it's a very role play heavy spell and this is very much a role play heavy domain right as I say that, at 8th level, you receive potent spell casting, and when you cast a damage spell, you add your wisdom modifier to the damage you deal with any cantrip. I didn't That's mean to awesome. say spell. Um, well, cantrip still spell. Yeah. With any cantrip, which kind of actually makes you do a little bit of damage, you know? Even mm. if your wisdom modifier is 4, which is a pretty high level, but at 8th level, it, you might have a 4. It's very possible. Um, Why wouldn't they? It's their primary scat stat. Some people like to take a lot of feats, or maybe they're focusing oh, more on their constitution yeah. or charisma. Oh, that's true. Yeah, depends on the build. Um, you know, you're adding an extra four damage. The next feature you get is visions of the past. Now, we talked about a little bit how it's a little more RP heavy and stuff. This is a very, very powerful tool. Basically, it allows you to enter a dreamlike state and see the past of an item you're holding or touching. Yes. I mean, that is... You can see the previous owner, um, how they acquired or lost the object, etc. You can also just see the events that have transpired in your immediate, immediate area. Vicinity. So if you want to just see what's happened in this room in the last X amount of time... It, that's pretty potent stuff, and yeah. it's very good for accessing and answering questions, you, especially in like non-combat scenarios where you're out looking for... Maybe you're looking for that kidnapped prince we mentioned earlier. Right. This is a good way to... To do that, I mean, you could just be, you know, kind of walking around occasionally and grabbing stuff and just trying to get a feel for what's been going on. And man, you could be a hell of an informant with something like yeah, that. Yeah, you could. You know, you get, you could. On top of read thoughts, you know, you, there's very little information you cannot find. That almost makes it worth multi classing into as a, uh, like three levels into rogue and seventeen into yeah into uh, cleric man that would be interesting yeah it would have a criminal background just become the informant you're the one you know everything you that's that could be a lot of fun could really make it hard on the DM though if uh, yeah you're trying to figure out what happened to the group of adventurers who are dead at your feet right. <laughs> you know so that is the uh, Knowledge domain. The life domain focuses on vibrant and positive energies that, you know, fundamentally revitalize people and promote vitality and health through healing okay. others, sick and wounded. Yeah. Um, when you choose the life domain... It's uh, heal spec. Yeah, you gain access to a couple skills, you know, some of them being cure wounds, lesser restoration, mass cure wounds, you know, very uh, support-esque spells. Right. Um, you also gain proficiency with heavy armor. Right. Also at first level. You get a lot at first level with the life domain. Well, with any of the uh, cleric yeah. spells. It makes them good multi-class. Yeah. Uh, uh, you gain... Good multi-classer. 
uh, Disciple of Life, and whenever you used a spell of first level or higher to heal a creature, they gain an additional hit points equal to two plus the spell's level. So at first level, they would gain an extra three. Um, it just makes you a more potent healer, essentially. I will tell you what. Multiclassing from a druid to one level into cleric to get this so that your little good berry, mm. instead of restoring one hit point, restores four. So you can have a handful of HP restoring, like, super pills, like super yeah. soldier pills. It makes it very potent. Yeah. If you're looking to optimize uh, a healer, that is a really great way to do it. Yeah, that really is. I mean, because basically they're sensu beans. Yeah. You can you can sensu give beans. <laughs> you can give each person one of these bad boys, or shove them down other people's throat because you can use an action if somebody's unconscious to wake them up instantly. Right. I mean, very powerful combination if you want to be a really effective healer. Yep. Uh, at second level, you gain a new channel divinity, which is preserve life, um, yeah. and you can use it. It's essentially a. I'll give you a shot or a guess. A heal. Um, Imagine that. The, yeah. the life domain preserve life spell is a heal. Yeah. Essentially, you can use your action to restore a number of hit points equal to five times your cleric level um, to any creature within 30 feet of you. It's essentially an AoE heal effect. Yes. God, that's really nice. That's it is. Really Especially strong. for a, it's a channel divinity, so you can get it back at every short rest, too. Yeah. Which is awesome. Making it doesn't it, cost a spell slot. Nope. Um, Completely out of juice. Have no fear. However, your deity is here. can't restore a creature above their maximum half their maximum hit points right. so you need um, to be hurting yeah you want to use this if your group's looking kind of kind of shady and you can't use it on an undead or a construct it only works on living things right. so the next feature you get is blessed healer at level six now anybody who's ever played any mmo where you have to heal other people it's very inconvenient when you have to stop and heal yourself and try to keep people alive. So Blessed Healer at level 6, uh, when you cast a spell of first level or higher, that actually restores uh, hit, hit points to something a creature other than you. You regain hit points equal to 2 plus your spell's level. So you just, as you're healing people, you're getting healed. Yeah, which, it's fantastic. You know, it's, it's small, but it's not well, it insignificant. Add, it, and it adds up, too, yeah. over time. So. Especially at low level. Oh, yeah. You know, at first level, when you have probably 9, maybe 10 hit points... If you cast a first level heal, well, not not heal, but like a first level cure wounds. So divine strike uh, at eighth level, you have the ability to infuse your strikes with divine energy, basically adding an extra one d eight to the damage that then increases again at fourteenth to two d eight. Basically, it's a buff to your your attack. Yeah. Um, just a, a holy light on your weapon and whack somebody with it. Yep. Nothing too fancy about that. Pretty straightforward. Supreme healing. At 17th level, when you would normally roll one or more dice to restore hit points with a spell, you would instead use the highest number possible for each die. So if it's a spell that would roll 2d6, you heal 12, no matter what. Yep, just poof. It's automatically maxed, no rolling. Yeah, yeah your dice are always maxed for heal spells. So the cleric, thus making the cleric the most efficient healer yep. in the game. And Moving to the light domain, um, at... Light Domain really focuses on the ideas of rebirth, truth, beauty, uh, vigilance. Um, they're often symbolized by the sun. Um, when you choose Light Domain at the first level, mm -hmm. you gain access to more spells, such as Burning Hands, Fireball, uh, Scrying, which is one of my favorite spells in the game. Yeah. Um, and at first level, you also choose gain access to the Light Cantrip, if you don't already know it. And also at first level, you gain <laughs> Warding Flare, which 
Tell them what else they get, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> um, you get a car. You get a car. <laughs> so I, I love the wording flare um, because I've tried to do this without this feature, and sometimes it's a hit or miss with the DM. But basically, you can use your reaction to shine a bright light from the palm of your hand and imposing disadvantage on an attack roll made against you. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's you, if, you're taking a, if you're taking a bit of a beating... It's pretty nice to try to lessen the impact a bit. Right, and it's you can use it. Uh, you regain them back on an extent. Uh, uh, you gain regain the uses uh, on a long rest, but you can use it a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier. So you get that pretty high. Yeah. You can uh, protect yourself pretty cool, pretty yep. uh, often. At second level, you gain a, another channel of entity, like most uh, domains do at second level, and it is called Radiance of the Dawn. Much like Otto Octavius, you can harness the power of the sun in the palm of your hand. Um, <laughs> you har- yeah, you harness sunlight and you banish darkness, which really just means you har- you make light. Um, <laughs> and you deal radiant damage to uh, any enemies within 30 feet of you. Um, only enemies, though. Only hostile creatures. Uh, they have to make a constitution yeah. saving throw, and they take... Uh, 2d10 plus your cleric level radiant damage on a fail, half as much on a success. If they have total cover from you, though, they're not affected, so you can't, like, Still sit you. outside of a room and hit people <laughs> in the room. Blow them up. Uh, at 6th level, you get improved flare. Essentially, your warding flare feature can be used to protect another another creature. So it can be used to defend another party member. Yep. Uh, at 8th level, you gain access to potent spellcasting, um, much like the uh, knowledge domain. Um, you add your wisdom wisdom modifier to any damage you deal with a cantrip, a cleric cantrip. At seventeenth level, you gain Corona of Light. You a Corona drinker? Um, <laughs> yeah. You gain access to Corona of Light. You can use your action to activate an aura of sunlight that lasts for one minute or until you dismiss it. Um, you emit, emit bright light in a sixty foot radius and thirty foot or dim light thirty feet beyond that. Uh, any enemies enemies in the bright light have disadvantage on saving throws against any spell that deals fire or radiant damage. And with the light domain spells you gain, like fireball and burning hands, those two abilities can stack together very well. Oh, hell. Hell yeah. The power of the sun in the palm of my hand. So, moving on to the nature domain. <laughs> so many chances. Yeah. That's not bad, though. That's half of them, so we're making pretty good time. Uh, the nature domain really focuses it's very on druidish. nature. Yeah, they are very associated with druids and deities associated with particular springs and groves. Some of the spells they gain access to are you know, speak with animals, plant growth, dominate beasts, you know, very nature, <laughs> very druidic spells. That is not in any way, shape, or form a reference to uh, animal porn. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hans, or Hans, however you say the guy's name. Uh, you also gain Accolade of Nature. Uh, you learn one druid cantrip of your choice, and you gain proficiency in one there's of only, the following skills. There's only one druid cantrip that matters. Shillelagh. Shillelagh. And one of the following skills you can gain proficiency in Animal handling, nature, or survival. You also gain proficiency with heavy armor. That is awesome. Yep, heavy armor is always fun. <laughs> Especially since you're not really trying to generally be very stealthy as a cleric. <laughs> yeah. Generally so, not your strong suit. At, at level 2, you get access to channel divinity, so you can charm animals and plants. 
that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, being able to sway them to... Not attack you. <laughs> um, at 6th level, you gain access to dampen elements. When anyone, when you or a creature within 30 feet takes acid, cold, fire, lightning, or thunder damage, you can use your reaction to grant resistance to that against that instance of damage, which would essentially half the damage. So that big lightning bolt that hits your friend... You can kind of listen. This is a very powerful skill because it allows you to use your reaction for it. Yep. Essentially, you can use your reaction to reduce damage once every turn. Yeah, on you can somebody. do this every turn to reduce and, some type of elemental damage. And as long as you're not primed for trying to attack on your reaction, that's pretty potent stuff, especially to be put on a tank. At 8th level, you gain Divine Strike, similar to the Life Domain, so we've already mm -hmm. gone over that. Not similar, they're all exactly the or, same. Yeah, yeah, I meant similar to as in they oh, gain right, right, it right. like they do. Um, uh, and at 17th level, you gain Master of Nature, which means you gain the ability to command animals and plants. Sound familiar? Yes. Um, and while they're charmed by you, your animals and Charm Animals and Plants feature, you can take a bonus action to verbally command what each of those creatures will do. So that is where I was getting that you can right, right. fight for you. Um, I was going to say, I thought I had read that. So, yeah, the nature domain is more of a combat-oriented. Um, not quite as combat-oriented as, like, the light or the life domain, but is, is quite combat-oriented. Right, and, and um, has a lot of utility. Yes. So, the tempest domain. These are... The gods that govern the storm, seas, and the skies, thunder, Thor. lightning, you know, all those good things. They relish in chaos, right? Yep. So uh, when you take the Tempest of Domain as you level, you'll gain access to a uh, collection of different spells that'll be classified as cleric spells for you, and thunder wave, and call lightning, and destructive wave. I mean, those are some pretty potent offensive magic spells for yeah. your cleric. Um, you also gain proficiency with martial weapons instead of just the regular great swords. weapons. Yep. And great um, axes. Great mauls. So access um, to all the really big guns. Yep. But that aren't actually guns. Yes. And as just well as heavy weapons. armor. Again, heavy armor is very fun. Um, and you also gain Wrath of the Storm, which means when a creature within five feet of you that you can see hits you with an attack, you can use a reaction to make them make a dexterity save. And if they fail, they take 2d8 lightning or thunder damage, it's your choice, and half as much on a success. You can use it each a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, and you regain all expended uses when you finish a long right. rest. So at second level, you get access to channel divinity, destructive wrath. You essentially can turn, wield the power of a storm with unchecked ferocity. Basically allowing you to max out the damage of any spell with thunder or lightning damage. Just instantly, poof, no roll, no ne no must, no fuss, max damage. Thunderbolt Strike. At 6th level, when you deal lightning damage to a larger, smaller creature, you can also push it 10 feet away from you. Yep. I mean, this is this screams using a hammer all over. Smashing a hammer into somebody's gut and watching them smash into a wall or something. And it also you know, gives you room to run away. Oh yeah, because they're out of they're out yeah. of reach. Yeah, very nice. Divine strike again, the same as the last few domains we've mentioned. At level eight, you get divine strike. Yep. In seventeenth level, you gain stormborn. You now have a flying speed equal to your current walking speed whenever you are not underground or indoors. Okay, so I envision this as like a tornado twister below my feet is picking my guy up. I picture like Thor flying with his hammer. Oh, swinging his hammer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Very cool. 
So that is the Tempest domain. The Trickery domain. Um, gods of trickery, such as, you know, these are your tricksters, like Loki. Um, picture Loki from, you know, the Thor uh, Norse mythology. Thank you. I don't know. I said thank you. You didn't. Yeah, know I didn't say shit. I um, knew where you were going, but it was funny watching you struggle. Yeah. Some of the, the spells you gain access to are Charm Person, Blink, uh, Modify Memory, Dimension Door, very illusion based magic. Um, and at first level, you also can use your action to touch a willing creature other than yourself to give it advantage on dexterity checks, um, stealth checks more specifically. And it lasts for one hour or until you use the feature again. And at second level, you gain access to your first channel divinity, Invoke Duplicity. Which means you can use your channel divinity to create an illusory duplicate of yourself. Picture a uh, mirror image from World of Warcraft Mages. Um, you use your action to create a perfect illusion of yourself that lasts for a minute or until you lose your concentration. You, you do have to, you're not maintaining concentration on a spell, but it acts as if you are. Right, and... This is just fun. I mean, you've seen Loki pull the trick off in the movies, you know. Yeah. Being able to uh, trick somebody into thinking you're somewhere where you're not, it just helps specifically in combat, but um, it's very fun. At 6th level, you gain another channel divinity, which is Cloak of Shadows, and you can use your channel divinity to vanish. You become invisible until the end of your next turn. Um, it takes an action, as all channel divinities do, but that is... Sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, very sneaky, sneaky. Going, are we rushing in or are we going sneaky, beaky like? Well, I just like to point out we were saying how they can't be sneaky, but if you're invisible, heart can't get more sneaky yeah, than yeah, that. You're right. Uh, level eight, you get divine strike. Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to sense a trend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at level seventeen, you get improved uh, duplicity. You can create up to four duplicates of yourself of yourself instead of just one. Hey, because, you know, everyone wants more of me. Right. I'm awesome. Yep. It could be, con it could be confusing The final well. priest domain is the war domain. War domain clerics excel in, you guessed it, battle and war. Um, some of the spells you gain access to are, you know, magic weapon, shield of faith, uh, crusader's mantle, flame strike, very combat oriented. Um, when you choose this, you also gain proficiency with martial weapons and heavy armor, much like the Tempest Domain. Um, and at level one, you also get the War Priest, uh, the War Priest feature. This basically allows your god to deliver bolts of inspiration while you are engaged in combat. When you use an attack action, you can make a weapon attack as a bonus action. At level one, you can attack twice with two-handed weapons. That's pretty awesome. Now, you can only use this a number of times of your wisdom modifier, but holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you start with a th plus three. I mean, damn. And most level one combat encounters aren't all that long anyway. Right. So, so. that's pretty effing potent. Yeah. At uh, second level, you gain Channel Divinity, Guided Strike. Love Guided Strike. Um, Plus 10 new attack rolls. Yeah. Uh, you have to make the choice, or you can make the choice before or after you see the roll, but technically you're supposed to use it, or say whether or not you're going to use it, before the DM says whether the attack hits or misses. Right. So, no, roll, I got a 14. Sorry, it misses. Um, I want to use Guided Strike, I mean. Uh, yeah, no. that's what I was doing. You got to know first, yeah. yeah. 
uh, at level 6, you get War God's Blessing. Whenever a creature within 30 feet of you makes an attack roll, you can use your, your reaction to grant plus 10. So, essentially, the same thing as Guided Strike, but you can do it on other people. Yep. Still consumes is, your channel divinity. Yes. But once again, this is awesome because... When so you've when got you've the got barbarian the, yes. rushing in, just swinging his axe around, and he misses on all of his attacks... And he rolls a semi-low number for that last one. Eh, give him a little, give him a little hand, help him out a bit. So that's this is a good way to ensure that that rogue's assassinate gets off. Yeah. Or that the sneak attack gets off and yep. actually hits its target. I'll give you one guess what they get at level eight. Justin. Oh my god, you're gonna let me guess? Do I, I get one guess? Oh yeah. man, this is tough. Uh, uh, I want to go with. Of uh, I want to buy a vowel. I. Oh, okay. Three eyes. Oh, Divine Strike. Has to be. You guessed it. I got it. Divine what? Strike at level eight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> yeah, but that's the whole show, man. Uh, oh, yeah. Our show is so campy. I love it. Mm. Um, and at 17th level, Avatar of Battle. Uh, you straight up just gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage from non-magical weapons. So Awesome. Yeah, I got to actually use this once, and the way I represented it, is that this glowing holy energy appeared around me in the shape of my deity mm. as I fought. Now, it didn't increase my size. It didn't do any of that. But basically, I was in this combat avatar, and I was kind of floating above the ground a little bit as mm -hmm. I'm fighting in this avatar. It was very cool. So, so that wraps up the cleric. Um, if you have any questions or anything you'd like us to... Uh, expand on further let us know but yeah if there's anything you'd like <laughs> us to expand further on let us know um i think we did a we kind of expanded on most of the things that the cleric has access to but there's a lot you can do with a cleric you know you have so much customization so really take advantage of that and work with your dm to find something that works and find a way that you can make it fun or the most fun so on to our next class for this analysis is the paladin clad in heavy plate armor, swearing to uphold justice and righteousness. They are bound to gods and their oaths so that grant them the power to do their sacred duties. Right. The paladin really is the, the holy fighter. He, you know, the cleric is all about... It's kind about, of the douchebag. Well, I wouldn't... Usually. I wouldn't say they're... Lawful good doesn't mean lawful nice. It's true. Um. <laughs> um no, in all reality... I said the players aren't douchebags. That's what I was saying. Our favorite party member was Brotor. Um, that was because he, you know, couldn't hold a weapon without it shattering to a million pieces. It's true. It's true. And <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the the big things they have is divine sense. Um, strong evil register. You know, they got spider senses for evil. And as their action, they can open their awareness to detect those types of forces. Right. And until the end of their next turn, they know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet that is not behind total cover. They know the type, but not its identity. So, you know, they might know, oh, there's an undead, but they wouldn't know, oh, it's, you know, Count Strahd von Zarovich, the vampire. Uh, within that same radius, they can also detect the presence of any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated. You know, essentially, if someone had used the hollow spell in that area. Right. And they can use that feature equal to a number, a feature a number of times equal to one plus their charisma modifier. Which we, I will say, as a paladin, strength is usually going to be your primary stat. Most of the time, followed by either charisma or constitution. Right. So this will have a good number of uses. Additionally, you get lay on hands. 
You can touch yourself to make yourself feel better. Who doesn't love touching themselves? Oh, I love touching myself. Can I love touching other people. Healing myself. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, you basically have a pool of healing power that uh, replenishes when you take a long rest. The healing potency is equivalent to uh, a paladin's level times five, which is a lot. And you can individually pass out one point, or you can give them all to one person to heal them. Yep. Um, personal, you, personally, I've only used this to really run up and touch somebody to wake them up, basically. Yeah. Um, it's to kind get them of back the in the game. Button. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Alternatively, you can also use it to remove uh, diseases and neutralize poison effect. This effect, uh, you cannot use it on undead and constructs because, you know... They can't be healed. <laughs> yeah. So at level two, you're going to get a fighting style. Much um, like the fighter. Much like yeah, the fighter. We've already we've discussed fighting styles at mm-hmm. length, but Yep. Yeah. So you get they have access to defense, which they get a bonus plus one to AC, which is awesome. Uh, they get dueling, where as long as they've got uh, a weapon only in one hand, they get a plus two bonus to damage rolls, which increases their min and max damage with one handed weapon. Mm-hmm. Great for sword and board build. Great weapon fighting, if you're using a, a great axe or a great sword, um, you can re-roll ones and tool, uh, twos on damage dice for those attacks, which is pretty cool, even on versatile weapon. Um, so if you're doing a sword and board with a, say, uh, uh, a long sword, um, and the combat scenario requires more damage, you could throw aside your defenses and wield your weapon with two hands. Yep. And then protection. When a creature you can see attacks a target other than you is within five feet of you, you can actually use your disadvantage to, or use your uh, reaction to impose disadvantage as long as you're wielding a shield. Yep. That's pretty awesome. Essentially, you're trying to encourage them to attack you because as long as they have disadvantage attacking somebody next to you, they're more likely to fail. So essentially, an indirect taunt type of effect. Um, at second level, you get access to uh, spell casting. Which is very similar to the cleric, and yep, you prepare spells yep. instead of learning spells. Um, your charisma modifier plus half your paladin level mount rounded down. Uh, sounds complicated, it's really not. And charisma is your spellcasting modifier. Right. You do and not have access to rituals, unfortunately. Right, and you don't have as many spell slots. I mean, yeah, you're not as much of you. You are a fighter, or not a fighter, but a. You're a warrior that can cast spells. So, um, it's very useful. You can use, like, Cure Wounds and stuff like... They have some really cool ones, like Shield of Faith and um, Crusader's Mantle. You get access to some pretty badass abilities. A lot of them are buffing effects or healing of sorts. It's pretty cool. Um, There's three of them. So, uh, at second level, you also get access to Divine Smite. Now, as a paladin, this is your meat and potatoes. Yeah. When you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, you can expend one spell slot and deal radiant damage to the target. An extra 2d8 for a first level spell slot, plus 1d8 for additional spell slots beyond the first, to a maximum of 5d8. If the target is an undead or a fiend, you gain one more d8. That's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they just, they tear and that's on top. That's not, it do- that doesn't replace your weapon damage, that's on top of your weapon right, damage. Right, right. If you're using a... You know, a great axe, which is a one d twelve. Right. You're adding five d eight to a one d twelve, and that's just a norm. That's just an attack. It's gonna rock some shit. I'd like to point out that the it says um, using a paladin spell slot that has been replaced. That is no longer the case. There's an errata that says you can use any spell slot, which has made multiclassing into warlock become very viable and yeah. very cool build because those those spell slots come back on a short rest. Right. So. 
Um, at third level, uh, divine magic flowing through your veins makes you immune to disease. And if your DM uses diseases a lot, this is very effective because that paladin will be strong enough to carry yeah, out everyone who's example, messed up. For example, the disease we mentioned in a future episode, never mind. <laughs> the cackle fever. Yeah, that's yeah. in a future episode. Yeah. Um, at third level, you receive sacred oath. You swear the oath that binds you as a paladin forever. Up until this, you've been in preparatory. So this is essentially when you take your oath, which is the paladin version of archetypes. Right. It's essentially a path that you're taking. It's, and you're yeah, it's your domain um, for those people who are just listening to us talk about clerics. <laughs> uh, each oath has a list of associated spells, much like clerics, and you can channel divinity, much like clerics. Um, at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th levels, you gain your ability score improvements. At 5th level, much like a fighter, you gain an extra attack, and you can attack twice on an attack action instead of once. And then at 6th level, you gain Aura of Protection. This is awesome. Whenever you or a friendly creature within 10 feet of you makes a saving throw, the creature gains a bonus to the saving throw equal to your Charisma Modifier, a minimum of 1, right? Yep. Uh, you must be conscious to grant this. This... I really like this. It's basically you're radiating awesome, <laughs> and and it's helping protect uh, protect your team. And this isn't like you have to use this. You can only use a certain amount of times. This just happens every time. Right. It's a constant aura around you. And at 10th level, you gain another aura. It's aura of courage. And friendly creatures within 10 feet of you can't be frightened, which, it's depending awesome on the encounter, monsters, yeah, depending like on the encounter, can be very useful. At level 11, you get access to improved Divine Smite. You are so infused with the power of righteousness that the melee weapon strikes carries divine power with them. Whenever you hit a creature, with the creature takes an extra 1d8 radiant damage. On top of any other Divine, any other so divine Smite. Every time you use a melee attack, you get one, a first level Divine Smite. And you can still cast Divine Smite on top of that. Yep. Big damage. It is Divine um, and, you know, staying with the uh, the theme of paladins loving to touch themselves, um, <laughs> at 14th <laughs> level, you gain cleansing touch, and you can use... But it's a good touch. Yeah. You can end one spell on yourself or a willing creature. You can touch. Do you think that it's a coincidence that the paladins have a bunch of touch spells? Don't even go there. I Are know you where sure? you're going with this. I'm just. I know where you're going with this. I'm just saying. Do you think that's a coincidence or thought out? You like. You know what? We should give these holy fighters. No, it would be thought out if touch the abilities. Did. Cure wounds is a touch spell. You right? I'm just saying. You're right. Do you think they've ever made that connection? We can't be the first person to have noticed that. No. There's no way. If you know the answer to this, please let us know. <laughs> so, moving on to your sacred oaths. You have the Oath of Devotion, the Oath of the Ancients, and the Oath of Vengeance. Ooh, tell me more. Tell me more, tell me more. Does, Does he love look like a first? bitch? <laughs> have you seen that? <laughs> no, it's you a know, love uh, first Pulp Fiction. I do. I we're Samuel Jackson. Like, Does he look like a bitch? <laughs> they edited that on top of it. It's so funny. I, I like the one when he's get, they're getting robbed and he goes... You get in there and you get my fucking my motherfucking wallet. Which one's yours? It's the one that says bad, bad motherfucker, motherfucker on it. <laughs> what? They speak English and what? You what? say what one more motherfucking time. <laughs> say what again? Oh, it's um, been so long since I've seen that. Um, does he look like a bitch? What? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I said, does he look like a bitch? 
No, then why are you trying to fuck him like one time? <laughs> I, do you ever read the article that uh, talks about what's in Marcellus Wallace's uh, the, briefcase? Yeah, there's a lot. Of, like his soul or something? Yeah. It's the MacGuffin. Yeah. All right, so let's actually get back on track. <laughs> so, Oath of Devotion. Your tenets of devotion. Well, what is an Oath of Devotion specifically? The Oath of Devotion uh, binds a paladin to the loftiest ideals of justice, virtue, and order. You know, these are also often the holy warriors, the cavaliers, the white, the white knights. knights. Very you know, cool. Um, you know, they are the ideal knight in shining armor. Yeah, they're the ones you, you think know, of when you think of pursuing justice and the greater good and honor. Uh, the tenets of their devotion. Each devotion has specific tenets that they have to adhere to. Yes. Um, and as a DM, enforce this. Oh if, yes, if they break their tenets, they could lose their power. Yeah, they could lose their oath. And there actually is a section in the DMG for oath breakers. Yes. Um, but a lot of players want to start their character as an oath breaker, and I want to be an oath breaker. You in, gotta work. You have way. to remember that in this type of D and D universe, oath being an oath breaker is a very bad thing. Right. Um, it's not something your person, wa- your character would want to be. So, but if that's something that they wanted to work towards, you could work with your DM to come up with a st- story arc where the overar- uh your whole thing that's going to happen is you're planning on doing this at some right. point in the story. Yeah. Um, if that's something you um, want to work to, but you might generally, end up being a villain. Yeah, generally you would probably be a villain unless you were your DM was cool enough to write some storyline where maybe your uh, association, like the can't think of the word I want. The group of paladins you're associated with Crusaders. are doing, yeah, they're doing something shady, right? And so you break your oath because you you do it for the greater good. So now you become an oath breaker, etc. So, so the, the tenets of devotion. Um, these are powerful oaths that they take, and the the way of the paladin, the way they're supposed to live their life. Yep. So honesty. You don't lie or cheat as a devotion paladin you let your word be your bond so to speak um courage never fear to act although caution caution is is wise wise. (laughs) i like that that's nice um compassion for others i mean you're supposed to be the good guy you're supposed to be the holy person show mercy to your enemies and to the weak punish those who threaten them that includes your party yes you know yes although your party did not swear to this oath you did, and they are your party. And so you have to do yes what you can to convince them. So when you go in and slaughter a a, a village full of kobolds, they might be evil. But if there's little young youngling kobolds and females who really aren't the fighters, aren't the the warriors, how how is your character gonna? If they're begging for their life, it should be your responsibility to show compassion and try to let them live. Yeah. So that, that'll make everybody hate you real quick. <laughs> yeah. Think of it as like the Jedi code. Yeah, very similar, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so honor, uh, you treat others with fairness and let your honored deeds uh, be an example to them. Let us go save the younglings. <laughs> <laughs> Killing younglings. <laughs> uh, duty, be responsible for your actions and their consequences. Protect those entrusted to your care. Duty. Be responsible for your actions and take the, and accept the consequences of your decisions. Yep. Some of the spells you gain access to, again, you gain access to quite a few, so just a, a quick list. Uh, lesser Restoration, Dispel Magic, Commune, Sanctuary, Guardian of Faith, you know. Uh, right. 
When you take this oath at third level, you gain the following two channel divinity options. Sacred weapon, which means you can uh, use your action to imbue a weapon that you're holding with positive energy. For one minute, you add your charisma modifier to attack rolls made with that weapon. The weapon also emits bright light in a 20-foot radius and dim light 20 feet beyond that. If it's uh, not a magical weapon, it becomes magical for this duration. So you're adding your charisma modifier. Keep in mind you're strength-based, which means you're already adding your strength bit, your strength modifier. Right. So this can greatly increase your damage per round on top of Divine Smite. Right, which makes it... Woo! Rape stuff. Hot! Spicy! To, yeah, for sure. Um, I really like this, and this is a really good opportunity to flavor this stuff, you know? Um, I played a, a Devotion Paladin that had a weapon called Inraiha, which I still ripped directly from an anime, but he would hold his sword out in front of himself, put it on the hilt, and run it down the blade and shout Inraiha, and it would burst into a holy flame, and it was awesome. Is that like from Dead Man Wonderland? No, that yeah. was from uh, Kazegame, Kazegame no Stigma? Kaze no Stigma? Kaze no Stigma. Really awesome. You should watch it. It's really cool. Um, when magic guy doesn't give a fuck about people and it's 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 he's a good guy. He's like he's like Vegeta. He's a good guy, but man, fuck everybody, pretty much. Turn the unholy. You can use your action to present your holy symbol and speak a prayer. And each fiend or undead that you can see that can see or hear you within thirty feet must make a wisdom saving throw. If they fail, they are turned for one minute. Until or until it takes damage, much it's, ve- it's similar to the turn undead effect. It's actually exactly the same as the turn undead effect of the cleric. It just applies to other things besides undead. Yes. At seventh level, you gain aura of devotion. Another aura, in case you're catching up on that. Yeah. Who loves auras? Now you aura, and friendly creatures aura. within ten feet of you aura. can't be charmed. Aura, aura, aura. So this means aura. once you have all of your auras, uh, you you give advantage to. Your friends saving throws. You and your friends can't be charmed, and you and your friends can't be surprised. It's very awesome. Yep. Level 15, you get purity of spirit. You are always under the effects of the protection from evil and good spell. I hate that it's evil and good, not good. Well, they just combine two spells into yeah. one. So At 20th level, you gain access to home- Holy Nimbus. Nim- <laughs> <laughs> Nimbus. <laughs> so the holy nimbeth at 20th level uh, as an action you can emanate an aura of sunlight for one minute bright light uh, signs for, uh, from you in a 30 foot radius and dim light signs for another 30 foot beyond that whenever an enemy's creature uh, starts its uh, turn in the bright light that creature takes 10 radiant damage in addition the duration of the advantage on the saving thread against the spells uh, cast by fiends and undead. Uh, once, once you use the uh, feature, you can't uh, use it again for a, l- a long rest. Have fun. Absolutely. <laughs> We're keeping that. Are we really? Yes. No, I don't think so. No, we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Fuck. Uh, all right. So, yeah, the Holy Nimbus. The Holy Nimbus. The Holy Nimbus. Moving on to the Oath of Ancients. I think we should give that. You think so? <laughs> Moving on to the Oath of Ancients. Um, you did that up purpose. Yeah. Moving on to the Oath of Ancients. I'm so afraid I'm going to do it. <laughs> now, you used to have a lisp, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You used to have a lisp? Yes. Uh, well, I could never tell. Yeah, so I took speech therapy for years. 
Pike, you were, you were, we said you were worried about the way people fought. People well, I was in, like, elementary school when I took it. Oh, people making um, fun of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a little made fun of, but it was mostly just because my parents wanted me to be able to speak. Um, like, listen here, stupid. Right. <laughs> Couldn't say stick. Came up dick. Just dick. Just dick. <laughs> dick. <laughs> I remember, like... Mama Ryan swearing. <laughs> like, I had a really bad... Like, my neighbor, every time his, like, aunt and uncle would come over, they would have me go over there and just say stick and truck. Because would be like, stick and fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, uh, anyway, all right, so Oath, Oath of, of the, the Ancients. Ancients. Oath of the Ancients is, an, uh, is as old as the race of the elves and the rituals of the druids, sometimes called Fade Knights, Green Knights, or Horn Knights. Paladins who swear an oath cast their lot with the side of light in the cosmic struggle against darkness because they love the beautiful and living things in this world. Um, the tenants of the ancients, uh, just similar to the oath of devotion, they have their tenants. Kindle the light through your acts of mercy, kindness, and forgiveness. Kindle the light of hope in the world, beating back despair. Shelter the light where there is good, beauty, love, and laughter in the world. Stand against the wickedness that would swallow it. Preserve your own light. <laughs> swallow. <laughs> preserve. If they're spitters, it's okay. Uh, preserve <laughs> your own light. Delight in song and laughter and beauty and art. If you allow the light to die in your own heart, you can't preserve it in the world and be the light. Be a glorious beacon for all who live in despair. Let the light of your joy and courage shine forth in all your deeds. Aww. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. <laughs> who grew up in church? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, both of the ancient spells you get access to, some samples are Ensnaring Strike, Misty Step, I really like that, and Commune with Nature. So you got quite a uh, variety of uh, styles of spells mixed in with Oath of the Ancient. Uh, definitely love that Misty Step, man. I'll tell yeah, you what, Misty Step's so fun. Uh, just, oh, what, you got me? Oh, I'm trapped? Uh, nope, not. <laughs> <laughs> nope, uh, bye. Fucking Chark. <laughs> um, uh, when you choose this, you gain two new channel divinity options. Nature's Wrath allows you to invoke primeval forces to ensnare a foe. You can use your action to cause spectral vines to spring up and reach for a creature within 10 feet of you. That you can see. Uh, they have to succeed as a on a strength or dex save. It is their choice, not yours. If they fail, they are restrained. And while restrained, they repeat the saving throw at the end of each turn. On a success, the, f the creature frees itself and the vines vanish. On a success. It, almost, it was in my mind, too. It almost <laughs> Did I do it? No, you uh -oh. didn't. <laughs> turn the Faithless. Um, this is essentially the Turn the Undead spell, but affects the Fae and Fiends. Aura of Wording. At 7th level, ancient magic lies so heavily upon you that it forms an eldritch ward. You and friendly creatures within 10 feet of you have resistance to damage from spells. That's all spells. Doesn't matter what kind of spell. You, that's, have, that's you awesome. take half damage. And uh, at 18th level... Um, Your aura range increases to 30 feet from yep. you. At 15th level... That's you, awesome. Yeah. I mean, gain. 10 feet's like a fart distance. You know, everyone can yeah, smell it. And you, gotta, you gotta really be standing close, which is really only gonna affect like the other melee if you're in yeah. melee combat. But um, 30 feet, you can, get, you can get everybody. At 15th level, you gain Undying Sentinel. And when you reduce to zero hit points and are not killed, you can choose to drop to one hit point instead. Um, and you can only do it once per long rest, but you also don't suffer any drawbacks of old age and you can't be aged through magical means. So you can be 112 years old at a hu as a human on your deathbed, but you're still out in full armor kicking ass. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, 20th level, you get Elder Champion feature. This essentially allows you to take on the form of an ancient force of nature. And you can kind of come up with the own your own shapes or whatever you want, but you essentially could become like a, a, a big bark tree. You know, your skin turns to bark and your appendages become limbs. You and... could become a big green guy when you get angry. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could. I see what you did there. Throw a little Hulk in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's incredible. And, yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> this ability is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to get the Wizards magazine, and I remember they did the play on superheroes, and they had the Incredible Bulk, which was a really fat guy, <laughs> and they had Superman, which was a Campbell's chicken noodle soup guy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know why that just reminded me of that. There was like 20 of them. It was funny. Um, at the start of your turns, basically, once you take on this aspect... Um, and these features, you regain 10 hit points at the beginning of your turn. So you essentially get regen, which is awesome. Yep. And then whenever you cast a paladin spell that has a casting time of one action, you can cast it using a bonus action. Woo! That's awesome. Hey, oh, by the way, take this. Um, Side note on there, whenever you cast two spells in a turn, one has to be a cantrip. Didn't know if you knew that. Yeah. That's a very specific limitation. And I want to make sure everyone out there knew that. So, uh, enemy creatures within 10 feet of you have disadvantage on saving throws against your paladin spells and your channel divinity. Now, I imagine this is me turning to a giant tree creature. Like, what are those guys from uh, uh, Lord of the Rings? Just walk around and grabbing people and just throwing (laughs) them and shit. You know, know? Uh, awesome. So, uh, that is the Oath of the Ancients. Now, the final oath is the Oath of Vengeance. I will have my revenge. Yeah, pretty much they are the lawbringers. They're the punishers. They seek out the bad guys and want to punish them. (laughs) The uh, tenets of vengeance include fight the greater evil. Faced with the choice of fighting my sworn foes or combating a lesser evil, I choose the greater evil. No mercy for the wicked. Wicked? The who? No mercy for the wicked. Cause there ain't no rest for the wicked. Okay, no mercy. No mercy for the wicked. Ordinary foes might win my mercy, but my sworn enemies do not. By enemy nece- By any. Do you want some help? That's okay. You laughed a har- har- all hardcore at me earlier, I did, I did. so you know what. By any means necessary, my qualms can't get in the way of exterminating my lift. foes. Restitution. Restitution, if my foes wreak ruin on the world, it is because I failed to stop them. I must help those harmed by their misdeeds. Uh, Some access of oath spells you get for the vengeance. Um, I'm going to have to mention the biggest one is Hunter's Mark. That is awesome. That's an extra 1d6 when you're attacking. That's awesome. Because, you know, that's the one thing your fucking smite needs on top of it is another damage dice. Yeah. Um, Um, Hold person and hold monster. R2 that they have access to, and as the Oath of Vengeance powers, because they're kind of like the lawbringer, mm-hmm. I picture like shackles appearing on them. Oh, dude. And it's like trapping them where they are. Oh, that's the way dude, I like that. Like, yeah, shackles yeah. coming up out of the ground and clamping to them. Yeah. Or maybe like a, uh, like a, like some sort of hands or something coming out and holding them. <laughs> like a stockade. <laughs> they're just running. Oh! <laughs> motherfucker! Uh, the other thing I want to kind of uh, point out is they also get access to banishment. Yes. They can just banish it from the plane. That's awesome. Talk about an annoying ass spell, by the way. Yeah. Um, for their channel divinities, they have abjure enemy and vow of enmity. Abjure enemy, you can use your action to choose one creature within sixty feet that you can see. You cause them to make a wisdom save, unless they are immune to being frightened. 
Um, fiends and undead have a disadvantage on it. On a failed save, the creature is frightened for one minute or until it takes damage. While it's frightened, their speed is zero and it can't benefit from any bonus to its speed. On a successful save, however, the creature's speed is still halved for one minute or until they take damage. And its other channel divinity, Vow of Enmity, you can use a bonus action to essentially give yourself advantage against a target for one minute. Yep. <laughs> I mean, just advantage. Until it hits zero hit until points or falls unconscious. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Oh, am I not hitting enough? Poof. I'm going to counter that disadvantage with permanent disadvantage. You right. know, that's, that's a huge use for channel divinity. Yep. At 7th so. level, Relentless Avenger. Um, when you hit a creature Ooh, with an op attack, sexy. which is on your reaction, uh, you can move up to half your speed immediately after your attack as part of the same reaction without provoking out other right, opportunity right. attacks, which is really nice for moving around the field during combat. Yeah, and kicking people in the balls and shit. Yep. Soul of Vengeance. Starting at 15th level... The authority of which you speak your vow of enmity gives you greater power over your foe. When a creature under the effects of your vow of enmity makes an attack, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against the creature if it is within range. Ooh. Non-stop attacking? I will take yeah, it. Attack, 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 attack. Talk about vengeance. You know, stab people that shitty band, moving. attack, attack? No, never heard of it. Must be really shitty. They're an old, like... I actually really like them. They're like, <laughs> you ever heard of that shitty band that well, I really like? No, they liked? are bad. They are bad. They're they're like they're what I call garbage metal. Um, they're metal that's not good, but it's really catchy and fun to listen to. Anyway, um, at twentieth level, you gain Avenging Angel. You can assume the form of an angelic avenger. When you use your action to do this, you I feel undergo like that's counterintuitive. An like, angelic avenger. An angelic avenger. Avenger. You're. I am holy and all great. Oh, but I'm going to stab the shit out of you with my flaming blade. You don't. <laughs> but I don't. Sorry. Uh, for one hour, you gain a couple of benefits. Wings sprout from your back and grant you flying speed of 60 feet. And you emanate an aura of menace in a 30-foot radius. And the first time an enemy creature enters that aura, or if they start their turn there during a battle, the creature must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become frightened from you of you for one minute until it takes or until it takes any damage. And attacks roll and attack rolls against that frightened creature have advantage. And once you've used that, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest, but Oh, how inconvenient. You can only turn into a death angel once right. for a day. I mean right. okay, you know, whatever. So yeah. That's um, the paladin. Yeah. It's awesome. Get it, love it, try it, stab it. Yeah, the Paladin and the Cleric are two really cool classes. Um, I think they're kind of underutilized. Think uh, so? Yeah, I think, at least in games I play, I don't play with a lot of Paladins. Well, because mo most people still play Paladins uh, under the influence that they have to be lawful good. In 5th edition, you don't have to be lawful good anymore. Yeah. You're held to your tenants, and that's it. Right. All right, so that is our main topic for the day. Now to our favorite segment, the... Unearthed Tips and Tricks. So first, we have a character concept that really, you know, just embodies Justin. So I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so have you ever met that person who just doesn't understand personal space? Well, I have. This is that guy. Apparently it's me. Um, <laughs> this is the character that gets really uncomfortably close to everyone. I don't know why I'm brushing up against my mic right now um you know he <laughs> maybe you need to back away from the mic's personal yeah. space he has no um concept of board or boundaries you know he might just walk into someone's restroom or changing room 
doesn't really care. <laughs> Often just you know takes others like clothes, food, and sitting at the dinner table. Just oh, that looks good. Doesn't ask if he can try. I'm gonna try some of that. <laughs> he grabs a bite. It. Um, I love the idea of him being like super fat and just walking into people and his gut smashing into him when he's talking. He's got a good foot length away, but that gut is just out there. Yeah, and I like to picture it not as you know there are no limitations on you know what race or right, uh, right. Um, class you can be. I like to picture it as either like the half orc who everyone thinks is being a bully, but really he doesn't realize it, or <laughs> he's, like he's getting really close. Yeah. What are you making me yeah. for dinner? Or just like a big <laughs> oafy barbarian who's like, oh, I don't understand how anything works. <laughs> he walks in and says, hey, how are you doing? Spitting in your face and shit. Right. <laughs> uh, I really like the idea of that. Yeah, it's a really fun role play uh, yeah. opportunity. I agree. Um, that's the character concept, personal space. <laughs> Invade it, love it. <laughs> Our monster variant is the bone shard skeleton. Why don't you tell us about that, Justin? Basically, we give him an ability called Death Burst, very similar to, like, the Magmans. Uh, when a skeleton dies, it explodes in a burst of shrapnel. Each creature within 10 feet must make a deck save of DC 11 um, or take 2d6 piercing damage on a, a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Basically, this takes those boring old skeletons and gives them a little surprise for yeah. your players. And then either they can just tank the damage or try to figure out a way around it. Yeah, I really like the idea of having a group of these and then walk in a in a area where you're more than certain that the mage can fireball and probably will fireball. <laughs> and as they all crumble to dust, they explode and probably take out one of the players. Not that I'm trying to kill my player. Well, I'm always trying to kill my players. Yeah. Got to have a good challenge. But use the same stats as the skeleton. Just when on death, they go kaboom. Yep. That is our monster variant, the bone shard skeleton. Yep. Our encounter of the podcast is the Wade in the Water. Wade in the Water. That rings a lot of truth right now, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, this is more of a an environment uh, instead of like a 100% combat encounter. So this is, can be added to a combat encounter you're already running. So you know maybe you're in swampy terrain or a river, a lake, or maybe even some sewage. <laughs> the uh, the whatever it is that your characters are fighting can attempt to drown the characters. It's really good for like if it's a very high level campaign. If uh, which I've never gotten to do this, but I really want to. Uh, a kraken. Release the kraken. I, I really want to use a kraken in a campaign, um, but it's a CR of like twenty three. So <laughs> yep. you can do a level uh, twenty one shot. I got this. Yeah, <laughs> um, everyone fighters. Right. <laughs> we got it. Let's do it. Chop off them limbs. Uh, have monsters or traps that drag the PCs under the water and, you know, have them maybe uh, something grabs someone and jumps Dra into the water and sw starts swimming and away. Dra drags them off and yeah. now your and players you have, to, have to chase them. Right. Um, you mentioned it being in combat, but this could be just something that if they're wandering around in the forest and they get lost, yeah, yeah, just something that happens. It doesn't have to... Adding it as part of a combat would definitely make it more engaging, but it could just be something that, hey, they're spending way too much time in this lo this area and are, they've gotten lost, or um, maybe they just decide to go a different way from uh, a different direction than you expected. This is a good surprise. Uh, I really like the idea of having a monster that drags them underneath the water um, and, f and forcing con saves to before they drown. And if you lead it into a chase scene where they swim out into the, the lake you know, or the ocean or wherever they're at, and the players now got to catch them. Well, if you don't have a boat handy, 
How are you going to do that? Right. Hopefully you've got some magic for water walking. It'll give those utility spells more... Uh, Use. Use, yes. Utility. Give them a chance to... <laughs> give those utility spells a chance to shine. Yeah. Um, um, especially out on, like, a lake yeah. scenario. So Kind of punish those people who only take all the combat. Obviously. Yeah. They're like, man, if only I would have prepared water walk when I was... Going out on the boat. When I took Firebolt <laughs> and Chain Lightning and Fireball. And <laughs> right, right. Um, but this is definitely something you want to add in your encounters. Grapple them, drown them, drag them, throw them off cliffs. All those fun things. Yep. That's the encounter. Wade in the water. Our magic item of the podcast is a simple one. It's the Mage Slayer weapon. And basically what it does is it ignores the AC bonus given by any type of magical effect. Which is spells such as mage armor, shield, or bark skin. Essentially, anytime you attack a, a spellcaster, you are always attacking against their normal AC, right. not their buffed AC by a spell. It's very I think cool. I know why you came up with this item. Oh, yeah? Why did I come up with this item? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <coughs> Shark! Uh. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, I really like the idea behind this because it's a very specialized weapon, it's not something that's going to be effective always. But more importantly, the look on an NPC's face when you dash at him with your sword. He pops his shield. He waves his hand. This energy barrier appears in head, and his blade glows as it slices through it. The look in his eyes. Right. Priceless. Um, this kind of goes for DMs, too. You can really scare one of your players with this. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you can half them up. As, you know, your player does the same thing. He pops his, he says, oh, I'm going to cast shield. And then as that blade yeah, is say, coming okay, down. Yeah, it's a 19. Okay, I cast shield. Okay, so it misses now. No, it doesn't. It still hits you. What? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely very cool and very fun. And it doesn't give no other bonuses other than that. But that's a pretty big one in the, that type of circumstance. So yep. that is our magic item of the podcast, the Mage Slayer Weapon. Our DM tip of the podcast is you know, don't take any shit. You know, uh, I agree. Everyone's, no here, everyone's here to have fun and you know, be friends and have a good time. But sometimes you get, there are players out there that are very belligerent and rude. Yes, and not only to you, but to other players. And right. if they don't get their way, you know, they'll you know argue or put other people down or just, you know, be rude. It's one thing if, you know, you have two players whose characters are rude to each other. And right. it's part of the role play. That's fine. Or even, you know, like even outside of character, you know, friendly jazz, you know, you, you guys know how to be people. Um, right, but when people are just actually being straight up rude and debagging, yeah, when they and, get mad because the DM makes a, a calling that doesn't go in their favor, yeah. or they're trying to, they want to do something, and the DM decides, I'm, I'm not letting you do right. that. You can't do that. It doesn't make sense. What have you? Whatever the reason, and they get really angry and pissy at the DM or at another player for trying to do something because they didn't do what that player said. Right? Hey, I to- I told you we need to go this way, and well, we wouldn't have died, you know, if you would have just listened to me. That type right. of mentality, those people have those in their groups. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, everyone has a bad day once in a while. Yes. So if someone, you know, has one day, you know, they're normally not like that, but they are one day, just kind of say, hey, you know, I just, I just want you to realize, you know, you were kind of, you know, you might want to just apologize to him, just saying you were having a bad day or something like that. Um, but if it, it's if it's an issue that persists, you may you may need to consider removing someone from the yeah. group. You know, start by talking to the person and making sure they understand that hey, there's an issue, and we need to address it. Um, talk to your group and your players, and 
see what they all think about the scenario, but definitely do a one-on-one -on -one and talk, say, hey, this is a problem, we need to address it, this is going on, it's creating tension in the group, and you need to find a way to deal with this, or we might have to remove you from the group. Yeah. And don't be afraid to do that, you know, that's, there's nothing worse than a game with drama in the air, and tension, mm -hmm. and yeah. uncomfortableness. It's a game. It's supposed to be supposed fun. Supposed to be fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Just make sure... Yeah, that's our DM tip. Don't take shit from people. You know, make sure people are sticking... And don't leave any shit them. either. Yeah, that's... Why bad. is it called taking a shit? You ever wonder that? When is you that, go take you a shit? Giving a shit? No. Because you're... When, you're, when you go take a dump, you say, I gotta go take a shit. Yeah, you're not But really, you're leaving anything. a shit. Yeah, yeah, so why is it I gotta go leave a shit? Yeah. That's weird. Drop a deuce. That one works. I do that. That's a, I drop off the kids. Drop a dookie. <laughs> All right. So our players. Porcelain princess. <laughs> porcelain princess. Uh, our uh, player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by. Uh, avoiding rule lawyering. Yeah. Um, don't do not uh, I feel this like shit. this is uh, aimed at one of our hosts here. Uh, me. Um, no, no. Actually, yeah, this is at myself because yeah. we had a discussion during the a brief disagreement during your uh, run on your when you were running oh, what the fuck was that monster we just Beholder. fought yes when you were running the beholder and you're yeah. like no Justin who's DM fucker <laughs> you're not used to it are you <laughs> no I'm not and so it was uh, so I, I had made a mistake and yeah. he just told me you know what I'm not even going to argue with you yeah. who's DMing and then it, yeah. that hit me like a brick. It, it wasn't. I wasn't that rude about it. <laughs> That's how I took it. Oh, but, I didn't mean it like that. Well, no, joking. but yeah, I, I, I um, needed it, though. But you made a yeah. valid point. And there are people out there, and I've got to... Everyone does it from time yes. to time. Because if something happens, you're like, no, no, no. That, especially if, it, it's, if it's something against you. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it's important to make sure that, you know... <laughs> so rules lawyering, you're going to have that person who knows all the rules yeah. or thinks they do. They're, they're, they've got things, this is the way it needs to be run, and they're going to be very insistent on that. Yeah. Even if the DM has something else planned, you know, and they're going to give you a hard time about it. This is the easy... But as a player, you need to not be a dick. Yeah. This is a very easy way to become that person we were just talking about that you yes. don't want in your party. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, can, you, you know, you stop the game, you take away from everyone else because you're arguing um, how it should be. You know, if it... If you think the DM missed something, mm -hmm. it's one thing to say, oh, hey, isn't it like that? That's one thing. You know, as a DM, I, I, I welcome that because I often forget things. You know, there's a lot yeah, to remember. Yeah, we all do. We all um, do. But if you say that and I say, oh, no, 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 I, I'm going to do it this way. Or if your DM says, no, no, no I'm going to do it this way, leave it at that. Yes, it is your responsibility as a player to not be disruptive. Yes. And, and rules lawyering is the big, one of the biggest disruptions. If that does happen and it's something you really disagree with and you think is um, detrimental to the game. Yeah, if it's like game altering. Put up with it for the moment and take it up with your DM after the game. Right. Um, you know, maybe if you know the other people in the party feel that way too, maybe you guys can approach them together or maybe you just want to say something to them separately and say, hey, I talked to the other guys. You know, we just. But just try to, you know, take the back seat during the game and let it happen. But yeah, if it is a big game-altering thing or just something that you really think could be improved, 
give that feedback to your DM, but wait until the time is right. Yeah, and yeah. If that might be during a break during the game if you have a long session or after yeah. the session. Um, unless unless it really, the rule is going to break the fight. For instance, fighting three fucking coven witches and not having them impose disadvantage when you're fighting them in melee, that's a huge flaw to the right. system. And the huge advantage to attacking in melee is that they have disadvantage on their attacks. Right. That one would be a good time to say, hey, you know what, you're really gimping our system by having them fight like this and not incur disadvantage when we attack right. in melee. That's different than just calling out, you know, hey, that's two concentration spells, asshole. Right. Um, do your best to avoid that <laughs> shit. <laughs> oh, do your best to avoid trying to be that guy. And your games will be a lot smoother and less tension. And, and I can say, I have a bad habit of being this guy sarcastically and joking about it. And DMs tend to think I'm serious. Right, and that's not actually... So, like, with that whole, like, for, for example, he just pointed out something I said in a <laughs> in a game with him, and I was completely joking, and I think you thought I was serious at the time. Yes. And it, came, it, it came across wrong, and I looked like an asshole, and so... And I looked like I was a clueless DM. Right. Which, in fact, it was something that I winked yeah. at the last so second. So I made us lo- both look bad. It was... It and was he was horrible. doing something because we had put ourselves in a situation that would take forever to get out of. He was just speeding it up. Basically. And so I made us both look stupid for no reason. So... <laughs> I'm a sarcastic, cynical asshole. If I can contain it, any of you guys can. <laughs> so just try your best, okay? <laughs> yeah, so that is our player tip of the pad... The padcast! Padcast. That is a... Uh, that, that is a tip. <laughs> that is our player tip of the podcast. Just the tip. Don't be a dick. <laughs> and you can avoid be a dickitude by not uh, being a rules lawyer. Boom. In the beginning of this episode, uh, we mentioned our new partnership. Yes. We have drawn a winner, and the winner of the very first Goblin Stone Banquet of the Damned adventure giveaway is cjn underscore 88 at yahoo.com. So congratulations. Applaud. Congratulations, uh, cjn. Uh, on your new adventure, it'll be emailed to you. Is it'll be email? Yeah, it'll be emailed to you within a week. Please join us on our next episode where we hear feedback from you, our heroes. We will take an in-depth look at the monk and the warlock. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help others find our show by leaving hopefully a five-star review on iTunes or Lipson. Make sure to subscribe to our show so that we can help you on your future adventures, and also for a chance to win a five-star adventure, compliments of Goblinstone. If you have any questions you'd like answered or a subject you'd like us to discuss, please leave us feedback at Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy or email us at CritAcademy.com. Make sure to give us a like and a share while you're at it. Remember to visit our website at CritAcademy.com where you can support us and find great tools to enhance your game. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and your spells prepared, heroes. Heroes. <laughs>